Bella, you have this really exciting partnership with Michaela Spielberg, and I was hoping you would speak to the rise of the influencer Cam Girl uh, and your partnership with Michaela, and maybe talk about how this can be empowering for the community and the sex work industry at large. Basically, uh, just to give you a little bit of a history, uh, I started webcamming in 2011, and at the time, the way like that we would function as cam girls is Twitter was had started, but it wasn't like as popular as it is today. So we would use like Yahoo Messenger to keep our fans and our members aware of kind of like when we were going online because. All those campsites, they don't really have an integrated like social aspect to it. And um, so that's something that cam girls and cam boys just had to do instinctively. So when Twitter became a really cool available tool for us, it, w it, it just made sense to always stay online and connect and say what's going on and when we were going to go live and what we were going to do during those live cam shows. And um, as you know, uh, the adult industry attracts a lot of traffic and a lot of interest. And uh, so it just kind of like became natural that uh, cam girls and cam boys were huge influencers. And if you go and check now, uh, I mean, Twitter is not removing adult performers. They're being like a little bit more like I wouldn't say shady, but, but you know, they shadow ban them or sometimes they block some accounts, but they're not removing adult performers because they're huge influencers and they bring really a lot to Twitter. And I'm, I'm sure you're aware uh, Tumblr, they decided about two years ago to completely remove the, any adult content on their platform and it basically killed the platform itself. So. I think it's just like an organic transition where um, it, it, it just made sense because we were always on live, on cam, that we would connect through internet and social platforms and uh, they became influencers and I think they have great things to discuss, great things to talk about and that's what, that's what gives them a, a great voice now and it's important I think and especially like through uh, magazines like Pulp that we recognize sex workers for a lot more than just sexual performers, which is not something easy to do. So they have to be recognized for that aspect of, of what they do. But it's also like, you know, they have other interests, they can discuss things and uh, they have other types of passions and that's a great way that they can do it through social media. Um, and yeah, our partnership with Michaela, it kind of happened out of the blue um, I was in Colombia, uh, Cali, Colombia, uh, last February because uh, Romania is the number one place in the world for webcamming and the second place is Colombia and we had like a cool opportunity to go there and see how we can help uh, models become independent and not have to rely on studios as much. So we went there and while I was in Colombia, I heard through the news that Michaela Spielberg had decided to enter the adult space. And what I really wanted to make sure is that uh, someone from our team or me could get a chance to talk to her before any type of agent or a big production company would get a hold of her and try to influence her to maybe do things she didn't want to do. And it was really just out of wanting to help. So I, I 
did a little video with my phone. I sent it to one of my contacts in LA, thinking that uh, she probably knew people that would know her. And it, it was amazing. Like two, three weeks later, uh, we got her phone number. We were able to send her my little video, and we just jumped on a call. And it was all about like do whatever you want. Make sure to be protected. Don't ever say yes to things if you're not comfortable. And we we just started a, a conversation like that. And Michaela is extremely smart. She's just like a beautiful person, and she's just some someone fun to to talk to. And then we just ended up having a couple of phone calls and having a couple of exchange. And and then it kind of like. Obviously, we invited her uh, eventually to do maybe campaigns with Manifest because we felt like she was a great, um, like a, a, sh- sh- she would help introduce the adult space to the mainstream uh, in a way that nobody else really could. And uh, so she came to us recently, and she told us she wanted to do a cam show.、Uh, we helped her create her profile, and it was a really cool collaborative exchange. So that that's kind of how this came about, and、um, we think it's fantastic for for the adult space. And she's such a strong woman as well to really do what she wants to do and and, and enjoy it, even though it's perceived as like the absolute. Worst <laughs> career you can get or, or do, and hopefully it's going to start a conversation、uh, that's going to be very positive for sex workers. That's really amazing. I mean, that drives home not only through this idea of reaching people vis-a-vis social media, and particularly influencers who audiences really feel a genuine and authentic connection to. Right,、um, influencers and and folks who are engaging with their followers on social media in this very robust way and allowing them into their daily lives, really allow the space for audiences to feel seen and to feel validated and to also be able to feel like they're a part of the conversation, a part of that narrative, and that that capacity, that kind of generosity of spiritedness, also really shows in the way that you. Reached out to Michaela and wanted to foster that relationship. So that's that's incredible.、Um, so much respect for that. I'm wondering if、um, I was going to ask this question a little bit later, but since you talked about Tumblr,、um, was the decision to take adult content sort of unilaterally off of Tumblr in connection with laws like FOSTA SESTA? I, I think it might have had an impact and put pressure on the platform for sure. There's a lot of things that people don't necessarily understand or, or realize because Tum,、uh, well, Tumblr was and Twitter is also very popular, but it's a little bit the same problem that tube sites they encounter, which is the fact that there's no age verification and anyone can pretty much upload any type of content. And I mean, they they. There's no true link between who uploaded what video, and that creates a little bit of chaos. And that's where you see illegal content being uploaded, and they don't have the system to make sure that that doesn't happen. And I think like that's why Tumblr they were just like, 
I think we have to get out of here. I also think they had like a bit of a problem. Uh, they, they were struggling with the platform to grow it and um, um, advertisers, they put a ton of pressure on platforms and that's why like obviously Facebook and Instagram and also now Twitter, that shadow bands model, they don't want to have any type of product or any type of association with the adult space because again, the adult space uh, that promotes sexuality, which is extremely natural and we're all sexual beings, is, is like absolutely horrible. So um, there's, there's this desire of never wanting to officially associate with the adult space and it ended up being disastrous for Tumblr. So it, it, it obviously, I'm, I'm very sad for the platform itself and as an entrepreneur, I just want to see other companies thrive. But uh, it, it was kind of like interesting to see and it demonstrated the impact that the adult industry does have online. Yeah, I think that's, you're, you're right on there. And I, I think to that, you know, that same extent, when it comes to the work and, and the launch of many vids and the focus on creating this judgment-free online ecosystem, I would really love to know how a little bit more about how politics, policies, and transformation intersect with Minivids as a, as a business and also your vision of using that platform to help destigmatize. Yeah, so we, we are like probably some of the most uh, like sophisticated platforms when it comes to protecting content and our models like obviously nobody's allowed to upload any content without uh, strict approval and uh, government IDs and pictures like everything is, is, is really taken extremely in consideration and we've worked with the FBI before we've worked with uh, the US Senate um, to, to help them understand kind of like how we do things because Obviously, while well, now with COVID, things uh, have changed a little bit, but I actually really doubt that within the next five to 10 years, the way adult companies are operating are gonna still be able to operate the same way. There's always like parental like um, settings on a computer where you can make sure that young adults don't get access to adult content, but it, it's still extremely easy to access. There's no uh, really important laws that came about other than SESTA-FESTA, but that didn't have a huge impact on, uh, I would say, the online adult industry. Um, but what's, what's been discussed a lot is uh, verification. So the UK was putting in place a whole verification process to make sure that you cannot uh, access any adult platform unless you're verified and you can demonstrate an ID that you're 18 and over. And that whole uh, project of law just got abandoned. Uh, we were kind of working on things for close to a year. And for whatever reason, I guess maybe a lack of uh, resources or maybe a lack of understanding of the, how much effort it would take to do it, they kind of let it go. But I think this is going to come back. So. Um, it, it's our responsibilities as adult companies to make sure that things like that don't happen. We have a sex positivity center on many of it that help educate people on, you know, what is sexuality, that 
you know, you have a voice, you can say no to things, and also like how things have to be treated or how you have to also understand as a viewer. And that's something that sometimes, unfortunately, is, is very important to discuss, especially for young adults, is that when you look at uh, an adult content video, uh, the people that do this video are professionals. They're, they're sexual professional uh, beings, if I can say. Uh, it's not easy what they do. It takes a lot of practice. It's physically extremely demanding. And sometimes when you're not aware of that and you're new to this kind of, you're discovering sexuality, uh, you might think like, oh, this is how it's done all the time. And it, it's really not. It's entertainment. So there, there's a lot of education that needs to be done there, and that's what like the adult state has to do without any push or, or demand from the government. I think this is something that we have to do just to help our industry move forward. Uh, but yeah, again, other than FESTA, FESTA there's, there's no real pressure at this point, but I, I don't think it's going to stay like that forever. Yeah. Why do you think it's not going to stay like that forever? Uh, what has there been a shift? I mean, first of all, I want to say that this this place of advocacy and education is so important, and walking the walk of working with political institutions in order to change systems is really powerful. And I think you are right that sexuality companies have a responsibility to do that if they have the power to do so. Right? Um, yeah. I. I'm wondering how you see that changing, especially considering this this seismic uh, shift that we're in this year with everything moving online and a lot of a lot of not only jobs and situations changing because of the pandemic and a you know a shift in um, presidential cabinets, right? Um, but also. I think that everybody has had kind of a personal and political reckoning to some extent in the last year and we're really feeling, at least in the United States, we're really feeling this, this, these tectonic plates of, of change. And I'm wondering where you see the sex industry within that shifting political landscape, if you do, um, and if you think that the the job of advocacy and education will become more complicated, easier, <laughs> uh, both, um, if you wanted to speak on, on that broadly. Yeah, I, okay, so definitely COVID had a tremendous impact on our industry, and I can speak uh, personally about many of it. Uh, the amount of new models, the amount of new videos uploaded, the amount of new MB stars going live, and just new members joining the platform really exploded since uh, COVID. So it's it's kind of bittersweet because of the fact that we see how it's such a challenge for everyone. And I mean, COVID is, is an extremely sad situation. Uh, but for the online adult industry, it's for online platforms and websites and fan sites, it, it's been pretty good. I think it's great because it provided an alternative, especially for like escorts and prostitutes or like uh, porn stars that go on set and they usually perform. 
they ended up having like no other option but to maybe figure out hey maybe I could try this online thing and what's kind of exciting and it's something that we encounter a lot is that a lot of performers they don't think it's possible to do that good on a clip site and to give you an example like our top earners they make between 30 to 40,000 dollars USD a month by selling their videos which they control the copyrights they control like how long they want to stay on the platform or completely remove their profile within the platform so i think like some of the models they decided okay i'll do this because there's nothing else possible for me to do right now and then they realized this whole new opportunity for them which i think is exceptional because of the fact that when you're independent and when you do what you want to do and you can generate your own revenue stream that makes you extremely powerful because now you can do things on your terms and the way it was before like clip sites and fan sites what happened was more there was big production companies that would dictate everything within the adult space so basically if you were a bbw model the chances of you getting booked for a scene was close to zero if you were a little bit older like within the adult space you're going to work a lot between the age of 18 and 21 at 24 you become a milf until maybe 27 and then your career is pretty much over and that's if you actually uh had like uh the strength to keep going for all those years so so now like covid and the opportunity to do things as an independent content creator online i think is is really exceptional um when it comes to the landscape uh the politic landscape uh maybe we can talk a little bit about just the first uh but there's there's just there's no pressure there at all um i i just don't think and i i think right now again like you mentioned in the US it's it's very sad what's going on and the attention is definitely probably not within the adult space but selling adult content has been legal for the last 50 years so it's it's legal like gambling is not legal anywhere and it's it, it, adult has that edge which is kind of like it's it's a positive thing but i just think there's not enough regulations and especially with the rise of all those tube sites where pretty much anyone can upload anything i think at that point there should be definitely regulations where hey we need to know are you the owner of this content did you steal this content like and 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 that's where i think there should be more regulations and where we should really put a lot more interest and attention towards um sesta fasta the what it did obviously the goal behind it was to help protect against sex trafficking which obviously is a horrible crime and we definitely need to act on it but i'm not sure to what extent they really uh, talked to people within the adult industry or if they talked to escorts or or you know like sex workers because i think they completely a little bit uh disregarded the fact that when you're uh uh when when you do uh prostitution on the streets it's an extremely dangerous career to have you put your life on the risk you mean you can get stds you can get beaten up and one of 
the advantages that escorts or prostitutes had was that those websites would help communicate with one another and like everything in life communication is extremely important so if there was a dangerous customer they could go let's say on Craigslist or uh, the other websites and say hey be careful don't book this guy he, he was aggressive with me and now all of that disappeared and I feel like it's a couple of steps back because what we should do is legalize it it's it's not gonna stop it never has it's the oldest i mean career in, in the existence of humanity and i think like disregarding that those people need support and protection is just not realizing what's going on and sesta Fusta, i mean i think it was just a big hit and miss i think you're right about that i mean I think the conflation between sex trafficking and consensual sex work done by adults um, is really problematic and it, it gets people killed, right? Um, so yeah. I, I think that the, the intention to try to stop sex traffic, trafficking is a good one, but the way that it has played out through legislation has been really harmful for a lot of sex workers who are working consensually who are of age to make the decisions and who are also trying to, as you talked about, keep themselves safe using social networks, using um, screening techniques, et cetera, et cetera, in ways that are sometimes not available to them now under these these censorship uh, legislative action. So yeah, and yeah. I mean, the reality is that nobody stopped. Nobody stopped doing what they're doing. It's just now they're even more afraid. Right. And that, that's, that's, that's the sad part. I, I just like, I can't wait. Like, I, I, I anyways, I, I, I have some desires when it comes to helping legalize prostitution. Uh, it's, it's a big process and it takes time, but I think it's something that we should definitely start considering. I think you're right. I think you're right. I, um, I want to uh, just ask one more question um, and be respectful of your time and um, just really appreciate this conversation and the work that you're doing for um, sex worker advocacy and citizenship. Um, so lastly, you know, as a, as a sexuality publication, Pulp works to center sex worker stories and narratives in communities. Um, in whatever way we can, not only as people in positions of power and having that space to do so, but also from within communities of marginalized people ourselves. Um, and I'm wondering what you believe sexuality magazines or media companies like Pulp can do to work alongside platforms like ManyVids to continue to work symbiotically and to help centralize narratives, content, education, and advocacy in conversation with sexuality content providers like yourself and your, your colleagues in community. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I'm really like so happy that there's magazines and smart people behind 
those type of initiatives. At ManyViz, we always want to help one another. We always want to help promote and, and do what's best for the industry. And we're really a model-centric, driven platform. I myself was a model, so every single decision we take is always like, hey, what's, what's going to help? model sex workers and i've said this many times we don't have customers we have business partners and our business partners are really the the people we try to help and we try to give them opportunities all the time we like to connect uh journalists and media to our mv stars because our goal was always for the world to understand and hear sex workers because they see them in action and they see them do uh, shocking stuff as as society would say but what about hearing them out and, and seeing what they have to say and guess what and they have great things to discuss so we have a great following on um twitter we're close to 1.1 million followers and i think it's just a win-win situation. I want you to always feel free to contact us because it's important that we stick together and we help one another. Thank you so much for yeah. your your work and your words and for taking the time today. And I'm really excited about moving forward together. 